The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, The Athletic's podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletic's Aston Villa correspondent, it's global Greg Evans. And I've got to say, Greg, for this time of the morning, your hair's looking pretty sharp. It's, it's a bit wasted because it's an audio podcast, but you're looking pretty good. It's straight from the shower as well. I haven't even styled it. Wait till I styled it, mate. It's going to look right on it. <laughs> It does, it does look really good. Fair play to you as I look an absolute mess at this time of the morning. Plenty to talk about in the Villa world as normal, but I guess we will start with Chelsea 3, Aston Villa nil, Greg. And it really does not tell the whole story of the game, does it? No, not really. You know, I, I was obviously at the game. Um, I actually attended this week. Well done, Greg. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really enjoyed watching Villa and I thought the only... The only disappointing thing was the fact that that they lost 3-0. And if you hadn't watched the game, you'd have just thought, okay, yeah, that's Chelsea stamping down their authority, um, showing how good they are. And mid-table Villa just struggling to deal with them. But it wasn't really a case of that. It was very poor defending, um, mixed with a brilliant pass and and a brilliant finish for for the first goal. Um, The second goal, obviously, was Tyrone Ming's error, which was a gift to Chelsea. And the third was just when Villa were just running a little bit ragged towards the end, trying to trying to open up the game, um, and then conceded late on. So, but everything in in the middle of it was very impressive. I thought thought the formation that Dean Smith started with worked, um, which I presume we'll go into a bit like bit more in detail later. Um, And I thought Villa really gave it a go. You know, I've I've been to Stamford Bridge and, and watched Villa get battered over the years um, and, and just not really be in the games. Okay, they drew 1-1 previous season. Um, but in, in other years, they've really struggled there. So I thought it was progress, even though the, the result was disappointing. Yeah, it was good of you to take some time out from your busy schedule of writing about all the other Midlands teams to go and watch Aston Villa play, Greg. That, that was really good of you. I agree with everything you've said at the start there. I, I thought we played really, really well. 3-0 does not tell the whole story of, of the game at all. And... It is frustrating because I think Dean Smith will be frustrated because I think from a game plan point of view, I think Dean Smith actually got it right. I know that sounds stupid when you've lost 3-0, but Dean Smith got the game plan right. He came up with a really good game plan against Chelsea. Villa Villa pressed high, won the ball back high. It was a high-energy performance. We created chances. We limited Chelsea in the, from the point of view that I don't think they created too much and that we gifted them the goals in, in some way. So Dean Smith can look at that and think, yeah, I've done everything I can, but the, the strikers haven't finished or the defenders haven't finished because, to be fair, a lot of the chances fell to them. And we've made sloppy mistakes that, that have cost us the game, but there was so much good there. Probably our best performance of the season. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. It was the best performance of the season. Um, you know, Villa beat Chelsea at the back end of last season, didn't they? Uh, but it was a completely different type of performance, I thought, um, you know, to, 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 the, to the performance last weekend. I thought Villa looked... In, if if you take the, I know it sounds silly because the scoreline is there for a reason. But if you take the scoreline away, there wasn't really much between the two teams. What you won't see is many away teams going to Stamford Bridge, um, creating so many chances like that, getting so many opportunities. Um, the only difference really was that Lukaku put his away, Watkins missed a couple, and as you say, some of the, some of the other players in the Villa team missed theirs. Um, I think they had. 
I think, was it 18 shots on goal? That Bit of an 18 like, shots, yeah, yeah. 18 shots, yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, quite incredible, really. And then you, you think there's five or six really good chances. Um, what I liked about Villa was the, the midfield area. I think that three in the middle worked. I think Louise showed what he can do again. Um, feel like he, he needed a performance like that. He wasn't brilliant. McGinn, McGinn and Ramsey, in my eyes, were brilliant. Louise just 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 fitted in nicely but I thought the three of them worked really well um and they just they packed the midfield Villa did so that so they had the three um starting center backs Twan Zebi sat very deep Mings and, and Konza pushed up a little bit towards um the midfield area obviously target and cash pulled in um from from the wings so you effectively had seven midfielders a, a lot of the time and I think that's what really caught Chelsea out. Villa just flooded that midfield area and they were winning the ball back in so many dangerous positions, you know, McGinn, Ramsey, Louise, Konza, that they were all picking um pockets, you know, out of Chalaber and Rudiger and Kovacic and, and Saul had a, a terrible game. Um, you know, really um really difficult 40, 45 minutes for him. And I think the game changed a little bit when Jorginho came on. He, he, he's able to sort of dictate a rhythm, isn't he? He's able to um, just marshal that midfield, and 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 and, and he got Chelsea going. I thought, and and it changed from there. Um, but that first forty-five minutes, there were a lot of positive signs. Yeah, I think we talked about formations the week before and what Villa would do. And I know you've done a, done a piece on the Athletic about the system. I haven't actually read it because I'm not an Athletic subscriber at the moment. My, something's happened to my account and it, it needs to get sorted out. So I've not read your piece, Greg, after a couple of years of follow, following every piece that you've done. I, I feel like I'm coming into this one a, a bit of the unknown. So can you just talk to us a little bit about what, you, what your piece said on the formation? Yeah, well, you're, you're selling the subscriptions well there, Dan. It needs to get sorted. It's a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> I hope none of the listeners are having any problems, but uh, you know, if if you are, shout up. Uh, just don't contact Dan because I don't think he'll be able to help you. <laughs> I'll, I'll certainly try and help. Um, yeah, just going back to the piece, then it was it was basically. Just, I mean, don't really do too much tactical analysis. Um, I, I'll leave that to the to the real experts. But I, I thought because at, at Stamford Bridge, you, you're very very close to the to the dugout. You can hear um, what the managers and and the coaching staff are saying a lot of the time. You can hear the the orders. And the directions and the instructions, um, you know, I, I felt like very much on top of things and and, and how Villa were trying to play. Um, I watched the game back as well and, and and picked out some of the you know the, the the key things that I thought Villa did well, which are included in the article. Um, and it was pretty much just what I what I just spoke about really the fact that they had almost seven midfielders at times in um, in the central areas and just how that was working for them. The one positive I, I kept seeing was every time Villa were breaking forward, typically with either McGinn or Ramsey, Ings and Watkins were always in front of them. Now, I know that sounds obvious because they're two strikers, but Villa never play with two strikers, so they rarely have those two options up front. And there were so many times where Villa won the ball back around the, midf- the centre circle and then had opportunities to, to just go chasing down on goal, but either... One of the you know Watkins or Ings just over here or under here pass and they just couldn't quite get that rhythm going and I actually watched the two of them doing this training drill before um, before the game and it was it was the new assistant manager Aaron Danks he was I think he had Al Ghazi, uh, Ings and, and Watkins kind of like um, Al Ghazi would pass to Watkins Watkins would pass to Ings Ings at finish. 
and they just couldn't they couldn't nail it there was this movement they were doing for about five minutes and and they just couldn't get it and I thought oh, you know let, let's get it all out the way first you know in the train in 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 the warm-up let's get all the bad ones out of the way first but then in the first half that those patterns although Al Ghazi didn't play those patterns continued it was just they were just over hitting under hitting passes but look the two of them as a strike force, I think, are going to be very dangerous, especially against the lower-ranked teams in the division. And they're probably going to need a bit of time as well, aren't they, to, to get used to playing with each other. Yeah, I found the formation interesting. I like that formation. I like three at the back. I think if we play three at the back, it gets the three centre-backs on the pitch, who I think if you cut out the individual errors, I think a lot of teams will struggle to score against that back three because they've, they've got a bit of everything and they're all three of them are just so, so blessed with, with pace and, and so athletic. It's a way of getting two up top. I liked the three in midfield, like you said. I thought McGinn and Ramsey were, were outstanding. I thought they pressed really well, carried the ball really well and again caused, caused Chelsea problems and we created chances off that high press. But then with that formation... That doesn't get Bailey and Buendia in the side. No, it's... it's so you, you can't think they were going to play that t- too much, can you? Well, I, I, I don't... I'm not 100% sure if Smith is majorly bothered about that. I think that... Um, I th- Look, it's... About getting I, them two I, in the I team? Him, yeah, I mean, I asked, I asked him that direct question after the game because I had similar, um, similar thoughts to you. But he totally played it down. Has been an issue. He said, "Look, you know, if it's been such a disruptive start to the season that that Smith hasn't had his full squad available to him for for some time now. We're all season. So, um, and and you've got Traore as well, who, who who you haven't mentioned there, Dan as well, who who, who I think he came on and looked bright. You know, came on and look, as you say, looked very good. Um, I just think there are options there. I think they can change it more often than than you think. And and what it what Dean uh, what Smith said back to me was that well we don't always have to play with Ings and Watkins. You know we can play with one of them and with one of the other players, Wendier perhaps or, or Bailey off them. Or then you could maybe look at if you're playing against a, um, a one of the lower ranked teams, you, you could perhaps swap swap cash for Bailey. Um, and 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 maybe even young for for target, you know, if you've got those uh, fullbacks sort of bombing on, you could try it. You could try it that way. There are plenty of options, I think, for Villa. I think it's it's not quite as difficult to get the players in as you think. And you got to remember, Smith. You know, Smith's very big. Although you won't hear him saying this very often, he's very big on his substitutes. I mean, he doesn't even call them substitutes. He calls them finishers and you know so he has a he has he has his starters and his finishers so he's now looking at that group of players as a group that can get Villa results but they don't all have to start if you know what I mean mm. yeah it's important to be flexible as well I think Leicester flitted between a couple of different formations last season you saw in the Euros Southgate we sometimes we played three at the back sometimes England played played four at the back and the, and the formation changed and it, it can be quite fluid so it is important and you've got a squad to work with you know you don't want to just pick the same 11 this week and every week and we have options now never really had that had those options in in Smith's time options of real quality and it, it did feel like we were getting something towards having a having a fully fit squad I know the two Emmys were missing but it felt like everyone else was there on Saturday and that there was options to come on and change the game and try and swing the pendulum in Villa's direction so I guess 
it's a good thing and it's good to be flexible in terms of not know how you're going to line up because I, I doubt Chelsea would have thought that we were going to line up with three at the back and that was probably what, what played into our hands a little bit that it took them by surprise. I think so, yeah. Um, we, we, we do a and a before the game and um, uh, Matt C comments quite a lot uh, on the... Uh, on the athletic and and he said I think leading up to the game he thought that three five two would be the ideal um, formation for, for Villa to play so so fair play to him you know he called it before the game um, and it, and it worked didn't it but yeah I think you were right I think Chelsea might have been a little bit surprised by that feels like Villa tried to match them up a little bit um, but just they're they're just their quality players shone through in the end I mean the difference was Lukaku. He had 22 touches and scored two goals. Same again last night, you know, in the in the Champions League. One chance, one goal. That type of striker is incredible. I think if Watkins had been a bit more match fit, perhaps he, he, he would have scored. I think the one chance he had was a, was a great save from Mendy. Mendy had a really good game in general. The second one, I think his touch let him down a, a little bit and he probably should have done a bit better than that and Thiago Silva's ended up blocking it. But Villa just having Watkins back, he's our most important player in my opinion. We just look way better with Ollie Watkins in the side. Totally agree, Dan. I think it, it's hard to forget that it's easy to forget that that was his first game back. You know, his first full start of the season, um, and Villa looks so much better with him in the team. Yeah, his finishing was a little bit off, but I think once he gets that first goal this season, um, you know, he'll be up and running then, and his confidence will be back, and hopefully some of those chances will, will go in more often. If you remember back to last year, you know, he missed quite a few chances as well throughout the course of the season. He's not. You know, he's not at the level as of Lukaku, who's going to convert all the chances that you know, the majority of his chances that he gets. Um, but he does make a very big difference to Villa. Very, very big difference. Villa are a better team now with him in it. Yeah, he's a, he's a huge player. Easily our most important attacking player for, for me, Watkins. He just it just sets the tone and makes so much happen. I I, I describe him as it's quite disruptive. He, he never gives the the defenses time to think, and he enables Villa to play a lot higher. Now, I'm quite quite positive still. I thought it was a positive performance. You, you're obviously the same from, from what you're saying, but it, it's okay to take the positives for a time, but at some point, the results do need to come for Villa and the run of fixtures isn't looking that kind. I mean, Everton was is, is going to be a tough game. I watched them on, on Monday and mm. thought they were really, really good. That they, they, they look dangerous going forward. They've got a, a lot of pace and can cause us problems. How important is it that the Villa start picking up results now? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's four points from four games, isn't it? So, um, not not a, not the best start, especially when when we looked at the fixtures at the start of the season and thought there are a couple of winnable games there. You know, it'd be great to get up and running early. You know, get seven, eight, nine, ten even points on the board. That would have been fantastic. But um, it's been a tough start for Villa. So, what it means now is that. These games coming up, they've got to go and get a result somewhere, haven't they? They've got to go and be brave if they go to Old Trafford in, in, in a couple of weeks' times. Um, they've got to take on Everton and, and really take the game to them and show them that they want to win. Um, and I think if they can get a, if they can get one win out the next three games, I do still think that'll be seen as a decent enough start, purely because of the games that Villa have come up, that the teams Villa have come up against. Um, the performance certainly was there against Chelsea, but yeah, as you say, they, they they do need to get a win on the board. I think Saturday's a very big game because if you lose if you lose on Saturday, then going to to Old Trafford, you know, Man United are in are in, in great form at the moment, aren't they? With, with Ronaldo back, I, I know they lost last night, but you know they were down to ten men, so um, Old Trafford will be bouncing. It's, it's very rare, really, in recent years that Villa have they've been to Old Trafford and it, and it will be in you know such full voice, but. It really will be when, when Villa go there. So, yeah, they've got to get wins. 
They play like they did against Chelsea though and cut out the mistakes. They'll cause United problems and they'll cause Spurs problems later on in the month as well, in my opinion. I've been to Spurs last season and when I watched both Spurs and Man U on Saturday and Spurs got taught a lesson by Crystal Palace, I actually thought Man U were a bit fortunate in some ways. Obviously, when you've got Ronaldo, you've always got a chance of winning the game, but Newcastle actually caused them problems on the break at times and that, that game was probably a lot closer than the scoreline suggests. So Villa, Villa can go to these teams and, and cause problems like, like they did last season, I think. So, all's not lost. Yes, they haven't picked up the results against the teams that you would expect them to at the start of the season. But if you can pick up a couple of decent results against the teams you don't expect, then I think you probably probably break even and we're, we're in a decent place. And I still think we'll get better as the season goes on. We've talked about the positives. little Well, not a little negative, quite a big negative here as well. Video of a fan aiming sectarian abuse at John McGinn. A throwback of the worst kind, Greg. Yeah, vile, vulgar, you know, no other words to describe it either. Discrimination has got to be cut out of football. You know, we're talking about it in, in all different forms and kinds every week, aren't we? And John McGinn was the latest player to, to receive that at Chelsea. Um, Villa and Chelsea, they're both working together to, to, to investigate this and try and find the culprit. I think there was a there was a video circling online, wasn't it? I think that's how it... Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how it... Um, was brought to the attention of the clubs and, and they're both doing what they can now to, to find out who that was and, and then take the relevant action. Yeah, I mean, In general, I've never understood people that absolutely pelt anyone that goes over to take, take a corner. I've, I've never think, understood. Look, you see people go absolutely yeah, wild. Like, it's a really strange thing, isn't it? I mean, like, you know, I've, I've been at grounds and, and you see players going up to, to the corner and yeah, okay, it's all right having a little bit of fun with them and sometimes if you, if you say something funny, often, often the player, you know, will start laughing and, and, and reacting, you know, in a way like that. I think I think players are all for that, a bit of banter, but it's when it gets personal, nasty, racist, discriminatory and, and really quite serious that, you know, you wouldn't go and do that to somebody who serves you your drink at a pub, would you? Or or, or your waitress at a, a restaurant or your cashier at a supermarket. You know, it's just... I mean, you've got to remember these are human beings as well, just literally doing their day job. Okay, they're high-profile footballers, but they are just at work. And, you know, we don't expect to get this kind of treatment when we go to work. So, you know, why do it, why do it to them? Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you see it so often, don't you? You, you see the, um, you know, hand hand gestures towards players when when they're going up to take a corner. I think players can kind of deal with that. You know, they they know that that's just sometimes what football's about. You know, it, it, admittedly, that's still wrong, isn't it? But um, yeah, look, you know, we we've got a lot to learn still as football fans and people in this country and and that just can't be tolerated. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just before we talk about some of Greg's work for The Athletic, then don't forget that we are offering a 33% discount on new subscriptions at the moment. If you go to theathletic.com slash villapod, you'll be able to take advantage of that offer. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. One of those pieces, Greg, is a lot of writers, including yourself, have been looking at who is the Premier League's best goalkeeper. And you put a case forward for Aston Villa's own Emmy Martinez, who hopefully we will see back in goal on Saturday. Do you think he's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League? <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm biased because I watch him every week, but I'm I'm I was I'm certainly leaning towards that. You've got a lot of very good goalkeepers in the Premier League now. Allison has obviously come in and 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 transformed Liverpool. I think Allison can do a little bit of everything. He can even score diving headed goals. What header? <laughs> brilliant, brilliant header. Um, and look, you know, Ed, Edison is. Edison is a player who could probably play outfield as well. He's that good. I mean, he pretty much does most weeks because he yeah, doesn't have a lot to do. Yeah, yeah, and look, he can pick these unbelievable passes and break the lines and, and really set Manchester City going. So that that's a huge um, asset as well. But I just think Martinez is, is still getting better. I think because he hasn't played as many games, perhaps, as some of the others, and he's only in his second season, second full season as, as a, reg, a recognised number one, I think he's going to get better still. Um, and, and I really enjoy watching him. I think he's quite cocky and brash and arrogant and in your face when he's on the pitch. He's a really nice guy off it, you know, re, a, a committed winner, just somebody who's absolutely desperate to do well for his club and his country. Um, and I think the fact that he got 15 clean sheets in his first season at Villa made made so many penalty saves, Um for, for club and country, um, and and just really came in and made a big difference for me. For me, he's as good as they get in the Premier League. I think, I think if you if you were the best club in the country now, the best club in the world now, and you wanted a new goalkeeper, you'd look at Martinez. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Work. I was just trying to think who I think the top five are in my head, and I've now narrowed it down to five. And Emmy's definitely in that in that top five. What were the other writers saying? Um, well, I think we were kind of going along with our with our club teams. So obviously, Sam Lee said Edison, uh, James Pierce said um, Allison, and I think Casper Schmeichel was in there as well. Yeah, I think he was in my five. There were a lot of comments actually, probably from Chelsea fans saying, "Why haven't we included Monday in there?" And to be honest, I, I kind of had to agree. I mean, watching him on Saturday, I thought he was great. Yeah, he did a good impression of the best keeper in the world on Bloody Saturday. <laughs> he was brilliant, wasn't he? Um, so I think he definitely needs to be in the. He needs to be in the thinking. But for me, you know, I'm, I'm as I say, I'm leaning towards Martinez. Yeah, I really like Casper Schmeichel as a, as a goalkeeper. He's one of my favourite players in in the Premier League. I think what he's achieved, considering the name that he has and stuff, is incredible. When you think of how much his dad did, when you actually look at what Casper Schmeichel's done as well, and it's not off the back of his name. I think he's had a great career, and we'll look back at it and be, and be really proud of what he's achieved. Emmy's Emmy's definitely up there. If I had to pick one, it would probably be Edison. I, th- I think. Then he just doesn't have as much to do, does it? Be interesting to see Edison and Allison in a in a in a lesser team, 
and see how see how they got on because they they actually make mistakes. Both of them, obviously both of them make mistakes. Whereas mm. Emmy doesn't make too many mistakes, does he? If you think about the goals we conceded last season, there's only really that West Ham game at Villa Park where I think I mean, should he, he should have done better with that. You know, he definitely won Villa more points than they lost last year. Yeah, definitely. I, I do. I do think. Okay, Alisson had a little blip, didn't he, last season? But I think Liverpool a lot. In general, did, I think a they? lot of that was down to Liverpool's defence. You know, being very makeshift at that time. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think he made a, he made a huge, huge difference to Liverpool, didn't he? Um, and he saved them so many points in the title-winning season. It's a tough one to call. Just got to be South American, haven't you? Why? What do you mean? Oh, to be in the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. true, true. Yeah. I mean that's not a great thing for, for at the moment being South American because it means you might not be playing for your pre- your Premier League team, which <laughs> which isn't great. I presume there's been defenders, midfielders, and, and strikers as well, or all there's going to be, and we'll be getting we'll, onto that. Yeah, have, have you been asked to asked to go along to any of them or not? <laughs> no. Sadly, my job my uh, my job ended at the goalkeeper. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a bit harsh, a bit harsh, but okay. There we go. Might be thinking for a while. <laughs> there's always there's always going to be a little bit of bias inside me that thinks that some of the Villa players should be up, up for discussion, but never mind. We'll, we'll I t- move I on. I tell you, I tell you one thing that I that I have um, that I now think I, I think John McGinn now is a top four player, and and I, and I don't think I had ever said that before. I think now he could go and play for a top four team. And well, that's not, that's not advertising. No, I'm, let, look, I'm not selling him. I'm not trying to get rid of him. I'm just saying he's good enough for me now to fit into a top four team. I think he's that good now. He's a lot le- He's leaner, isn't he? He's, he's been on some kind of diet over the summer and some kind of regime because he, he looks a lot leaner and he, he was absolutely incredible. He was, he was the best central midfielder on, on the park on Saturday, I thought. Yeah, I thought Kovacic did well. I thought Jorginho did all right when he came on as well, and in a different way. But mm, it's just high energy, isn't it? You always notice McGinn if he has a good game. You'll you'll notice because yeah. he's everywhere. He 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 affects games, and I think if you put him in a really good team, you know, a really really good team, I, I think he'd look really good as well. <laughs> And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Someone else who looked good, Greg, Jacob Ramsey. Someone else you've, you've been writing about him and his brother, Aaron Ramsey. Talk to us a little bit about that piece. Uh, yeah, I just I'm trying not to get too carried away with Jacob Ramsey because I've I've been kind of singing his praises for a while. Um, I thought last season was a difficult one for him. Didn't think that he really did enough to 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 show what he was about. Um, and I was I was getting to the stage where I thought, what is a what's he going to bring to this team? Is he, is he an attacking player? Is he a defending player? Um, what you know what's he going to do? But I think we now know what he is. I think he's going to be a player that can win the ball in midfield, drive forward and create chances. And sooner or later, he's going to get a goal. I think he's had 14 shots on target and hasn't scored yet. Um, So the sooner he gets that goal, the better. But what we're going to see now is somebody who can can win possession back and drive forward. And, And that's a big thing for Villa because other than McGinn, they haven't really had anyone from midfield that can do that. And, and he... He gets forward so quick, and, and and he's an athlete now. You know, yeah, he's, he's had a brilliant start. He's powerful, isn't he? And and the reason I wrote about the two of them was because I thought it's very unique that you get brothers um, playing for club and country. You know, they were both called up to England under twenty one um, for varying reasons. The following week, uh, I went to watch England under twenty ones. I spoke to the manager Lee Carsley about them, and he was equally um, as excited about about the two of them, struggled to really explain what the differences in the two of them were, which is what I think people who have watched them feel the same as well, because really, I think they're very similar. I think one's clearly a number 10 and one's clearly a number eight. I would say Jacob's definitely a number eight, whereas Aaron's more of a number 10 from what I've seen. Yeah, see, I mean, I've watched him for longer and, and, and for England, at youth level, he's played as a number six, sometimes even as a number as as a deeper midfielder, you know, in a two. Um, so I don't know what their position. I don't know what Aaron's best position is yet. He was he, again. He was at Chelsea as the twenty twentieth. What do you call him now? Twenty first man. I, 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 I can't he's even. Twenty first now. Twenty first man, isn't it? Yeah. So he he was there in the stands watching on. So it shows how close he is to the to the squad now. Um, you know, one injury and he's in. But I just don't know whether he's going to be an attacking player, somebody who will play across the, the, you know, anywhere across the three perhaps, um, or, or in midfield because in his younger years he played midfield. The piece basically was just saying how Aaron has always been the player with the most potential, but how now Jacob is catching up with him or, or you know, excelling almost. Jacob's had a, had a brilliant start to the season. I think I was the, the same as you, but... At the, at the end of last season, I thought when he played against Wolves in that fir- in that first start, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was really really good in that in that one nil win at Molyneux. And then every other time I saw him, I felt he was maybe a, li- a little bit safe. But then I think of Villa in that second half of the season, we, we just weren't great in general. So for a young player coming in into a bitty side, it's never easy. But he, he's really took the ball by the horns at the start of this season. He's drove forward with the ball well. He's used the ball well. He looks dangerous going forward. I think once he gets one goal, that'll be lift off for him. It might sound a bit stupid, but a little bit of shades of, of Jude Bellingham, the, the way he plays the game. I mean, Bellingham's a phenomenal player. I'm not for one minute saying he's as, as good as Bellingham, but do, do you know what I mean? I think I think he yeah. could be Villa's Bellingham. Yeah, he, he reminds me a little bit like him now. He's starting to play a bit like him. The physical side as well, like you say, he looks like he's grown and bulked. 
he's powerful now, isn't he? You know, he yeah. can, he, he can, he doesn't, he's not a kid anymore, basically. You know, he, he can, he can mix it with the midfielders in there. And, and, and he, I think he knows his place in the squad now. I think last season he was probably a little bit nervous, a little bit shy around the place, um, you know, a bit quiet. Some, some of the, some of the players I spoke to kind of, mentioned him as being a player who was you know just breaking him from the youth set up into the first team and wasn't quite at home with the seniors now what you'll see is he's you know warming up in the games he's laughing and joking he's close with Ezri Konza I think who has been um, a, a bit of a mentor for him you know not really that much older himself is he is he Ezri but um somebody who's helped him settle in a bit. So I think he just knows his place in the squad now. He's very much a part of it and he's not overawed by any of it anymore. I think that's helping him because he's able to go and express himself on the pitch and there's no one sort of herring down and him saying, pass me the ball, you shouldn't be doing this. Get you know, do, Nobody putting pressure on him. They believe in him now. Yeah, he got booked at the start of the game, didn't he? And I think he was having a little bit of a pop at the referee, like asking what what's going on. Why am I being booked? Is my first chance. I even feel like last season he probably wouldn't have done that. So you can see there's a bit of a, a bit of a confidence and a good arrogance to him this season. I would say, whereas last season he, he did always feel a, a little bit shy and a, a little bit quiet. I feel like he's got more belief in himself now. I think he's going to be a really important player for Villa this season and perhaps you know he's negated the need to go out and get that central midfielder that we talked about because he could be a big player for, for Aston Villa this season. The worry I the worry I have Dan, if if he gets pushed out by the changes that Villa might have to make to, to accommodate some of their more expensive players. I hope that doesn't happen. I, I don't think it will happen. I think Smith takes um you know every player as a you know, every player is equal. It doesn't matter whether they were purchased for thirty million pound or whether they came for the academy. I just hope he doesn't get phased out slightly that way by trying to get Buendia or Baylor, you know, into the team because I think that balance that Villa had at Chelsea was very good, and I'm sure Smith will realise that and think that same. Do you think he'll play on Saturday? I'd be very surprised if he didn't, and I would. If I was him, I would be very upset if I did, if he if he didn't because he did nothing wrong. Yeah, I think we actually didn't look as good. When, when he came off the pitch. Villa were better when he played. Yeah, he got he had that booking though, didn't he? So that's probably the reason he, he came off, just, just in case. If you're going to pull a midfielder, you probably pull the one on a yellow card. That's fair no? enough. And Yeah, yeah, yeah I, get, I totally get that. And at the, and at the time, um, you know, Villa were 2-0 down at that point and they needed to change it a little bit to try and get that goal back. And when you've got options like Bailey and Traore on the bench, it makes sense, doesn't it, to try something a bit different. And if you do want to read Greg's piece on the Ramsey brothers and all the other excellent stuff on The Athletic, don't forget that offer where you'll get a third off. You just go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage. Let's finish then, Greg, with the with the top three. We're looking to try and move away from the top three a little bit, aren't we? We, we, we haven't thought of anything yet, but we, we'd like a new finisher. So if you have any ideas for the podcast for that new finisher, please, please do let us know via social media or in the comments. So this question actually came in into the mailbag last week and we really liked it. So the producer bookmarked it and we've saved it for this week. And it's from Matt Ellis, a regular contributor. He says, given that we have Ashley Young and Axel Twanzebe back for their second spells at the club, who are your top three players to play for the Villa twice or more? Anyone leaping out at you, Greg? I'm not going to. I'm not going to pick Ashley Young and Axel. By the way, I've, I've gone for three completely different players. Uh, to, to be honest, I've been racking my brains actually last night thinking about this. Thinking, I mean, there aren't too many, are there? So I'll, I'll leave this one to you and 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 let and let you 
let you explain, but I couldn't remember too many things. I could only remember five or six. I mean, in my in my time, I could only remember three. Now the three I've picked, I'd be I'd be surprised <laughs> if I've if I if I've missed anyone out who's more blatant than the three I've picked. But let's go with it. So the the first one, three is Sid Cowens. Okay, played for Villa twice. I'm not sure I ever actually saw him play. Because he would have, he would have played, been playing for Villa in the first season. I, I went down, but I think he would have been more of a, a squad option at that point in his second spell. So I'm not actually sure I ever saw him play, but I've met him a few times. Lovely, lovely guy. I've actually been on a, on it, and I ended up on a night out with him in Lichfield once, and he was one of the best night outs I've ever had in my life. So I've got a hat to pick Sid Cowens, and he's a lot of my friends' his favourite ever Villa player as well, and one of my dad's favourite Villa players. So Sid Cowens had to be in there. Second one. <laughs> Steve Staunton. He was one I thought of, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always always like a good left-footed player. Excellent first spell at Villa. Probably not as a successful second spell when John Gregory brought him back. But I just like the fact he came back and played centre-back and wore the number 11 shirt as well. <laughs> like it. it seemed to work, even though he's le- just because he's left-footed. But you don't often see a centre-back wearing number 11, do you, Greg? <laughs> no, that is a rare one. So I went, I went for that. I think he ended up captaining the club. In, in his second spell as well. Just a, a really good servant for Villa over the years, Steve Storm. Should never have left us to go back to Liverpool, but we'll forgive him because he came back. Third one. One. Milner. Yeah. It's an obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. First spell at loan when he replaced Nobby Solana and then a very, very successful second spell where he ended up going off to Man City and, and he's ended up winning everything in his career pretty much, hasn't he? So, yeah, Milner. Third, I th- they were the three obvious ones for me. I couldn't really think of anyone else. Have I missed anyone? No, I, I was. I didn't realise how far we were going back. I mean, An- Andy Gray obviously came and went, but he was terrible when he came back in his second spell, wasn't it? I tried to just pick players that were more of my time. Yeah, no, no, I get that, and and um, and look, there, there are lots. If you, if well, I say lots, there are, there are a fair few. If you go back a bit further, um, yeah, it was it was more the more the recent ones for me. Obviously, Axel and and, and Young and. He kind of felt like, I know he never fully went away, but because he was in the bomb squad, it kind of felt like Alan Hutton had gone yeah. and then came back. Um, I mean, look, you know, he never officially left the club, but it, it always felt like it was... he went on loan a few times, didn't he? And he he went to New York, didn't he? I think yeah. Bolton as well. And, and, um, Forrest, I think, as well. That's, yeah, Forrest, was it? maybe not Bolton, but then... Um, he it just felt when he came back it was like a new start you know like he'd return to the club but not not an official one yeah but I, I don't think there are too many in the 90s and, and, and after that it's a lot of players that I always thought might come back you know but I thought I always thought Gareth Barry would end up back yeah, before Barry the end of his career and, um, even Benteke at points yeah don't I think that ship's sailed now, hasn't it? I don't no, think that has ever. You know, there's always been players that I've, I've, even Thomas Hitzelsberger at, at, at points I thought might end up coming coming back to the club. So there's there's always, there's always been players that I thought might come back at some point. But it is quite rare. But to actually have five to talk about is quite probably quite a rarity. I suppose, I think Bertrand has been linked a few times, hasn't he? I know he's been. I know he only ever came on loan, but there we are. Interesting. All good. Does us, I think, Greg. Thanks ever so much for talking to me, taking time out of being global, Greg Evans, to, to do the Villa podcast and time taking time away from writing about all the Midlands clubs that, that you do now. I really appreciate talking to you and doing the podcast with you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's gone quick. That is very quick. You know, they say time flies when you're having fun. Eh? Time flies indeed. 
Let's hope time flies in getting to Saturday because I'm getting a bit bored and I want to get down to Villa Park as soon as possible. So thanks ever so much for tuning in to the podcast and for all the support and all the questions as well. Please keep finding your questions and stuff over on social media and we'll try and incorporate them into the podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about Villa's game against Everton. Fingers crossed it goes as we all want it to. Have a great rest of the week and up the Villa. Athletic.